Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. Praise the Lord. It's so good to have you joining us online, those of you that are here with us. Uh, it seemed like there was a, a church that had a visiting preacher one Sunday, and he preached what the wife thought was a great message. But as she talked to her husband, he said, I like our pastor better. He said, well, why? He said, it was all in terminology. He said, when the, the one that preached today, he said, in, uh, he said, when the pastor speaks, he says, in conclusion, and he concludes. He said, but the speaker today says, and lastly, and he lasted and lasted and lasted. So it's all in terminology, you know, and it's like uh, President uh, Roosevelt said one time, when you speak, says, be sincere, be brief, and be seated. So uh, we trust that we'll be able to cover this topic today because it's an awesome topic. We've been talking about the love of, uh, I mean, the attributes of God. And of course, when we talk about the attributes, we've talked about the power of God, and we've talked about the presence of God, and the amazing thing of how great God is. And of course, it did not take a rocket scientist to figure out what attribute to talk about on Valentine's Day, and that is the love of God. The Bible tells us that God is what? Is love. Turn with me to First John, First John chapter 4. And as you're turning, let me just mention to you, in case you're not aware of it, this book was written, of course, by John the Apostle right near the end of his life, and they think that it was written somewhere between 90 and 95 A.D. So it had been 55 to 60 years after Jesus had, had uh, uh, been crucified and resurrected. So he was an older man, right, getting ready to enter into his eternity. And he wrote this awesome book, directed, of course, by God. But in 1 John chapter 4, before we begin reading the text there at uh, verse 7, I'd like to direct your attention just to glance up at the preceding verses because it says to test the spirits. Now, uh, Brother Brown, I don't think I'd ever thought about this before. But if there's a sure way to test the spirits, if it's not done in love, chances are it's not God. I said, if it's not done in love, I mean, there's some people that feel like they've been gifted a God to correct people. And that's okay if they can do it in love. But if you can't do it in love, chances are when you test the spirits, guess what? You're going to find out it probably wasn't God. So now let's look to the scripture. Verse 7. Blessed, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us. How did he show his love? Well, many, many ways, but the number one thing is that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. And if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 
By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Now remember, John was speaking from personal experience. He had walked with Jesus for three years. He had been part of that closer inner circle. And he said, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. I know I mentioned this last week. I think I mentioned it the week before. But there's a lot of people in the world today that's always quick to jump on the bandwagon and say, well, we're all God's children. That is not true. The only one that are children of God is those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what makes us children of God. If we believe on Him, accept Him as Lord and Savior, then, beloved Friends, he's became, given us the power to become the sons of God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. Now, earlier said perfected in us. This says perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Let me say that again. There is no fear in love. One more time. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he, what, first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he sees cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Wow. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? We love God. How do we show our love for God as we love one another? Now, let's go back to the Old Testament, if you would. Go back with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 19, begin reading at verse 3. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Now, this is God speaking to Moses. Thus, you shall say to the house of Jacob. The house of Jacob. Now, who was Jacob? He was later named Israel. But I want to point out to you, he uses both phrases here. To the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. Tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possessions. Now, I don't know if you got that or not. God says, you shall be my treasured possessions. You shall be my treasured possessions. Now, God created this whole universe. He could have said, the Smoky Mountains is my treasured possessions. He could have said, the Rockies are my treasured possessions. He could have said Niagara Falls, or you could go over and say the, the Alps. He could have named everything. He could have said the sun is my favorite possession. But he didn't. You know what his favorite possession is? 
of all the things he's ever created is man. That's his favorite possession. He loves us that much. He said, you shall be my treasured possessions among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. Now, I know somebody said, well, wait a minute. He was speaking to the Jews. Yes, he was. But remember, he also spoke before the Jews. He spoke to Jacob before there was a Jewish nation. He said, the house of Jacob and the Israel nation. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, I want you to just get a little bit of glimpse of that. That God was giving through Moses. He was telling him, said, I want you to know how much God loves you. Now, if there's nothing else that you get in this message this morning, I want you to get this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. God loves you. Now, I run across this saying this week, and it really blessed me, and you'll hear me say it several times. God's past provision should be the future, or excuse me, should be the basis of future decisions. How many of you has God provided for? How many of you has God been good to you? How many has God been faithful Friends, those previous provisions should help you and be the basis of your future decisions. As we yield ourselves to God, God's past provision should be the basis of future decision. Because what He has done, He is doing, and He will continue to do. Because that is another attribute of God. He cannot change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And some of you are probably saying, but pastor, that promise was to the Jewish nation. And yes, it was. But I'm glad to share something else with you. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Now, who's he talking to? He's not talking to the Jew. He's talking to the church. The church, and the church is just as much, and I don't get upset with me, but the church is just as much God's chosen possession as the Jew, because you and I have been adopted into the family. And I want to tell you something, none of those adoptions were by mistake. None of them were by accident. God chose you. We have all been chosen, and yes, we had to receive him. But the reality is that God has chosen us, and therefore it says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I want to go back. Uh, don't don't uh, change scriptures with me, but I just want to go out and point something out that I forgot to mention a while ago, where he says... Uh, No wonder I hadn't didn't mention it. I ain't got there yet. We'll come to that scripture in a minute. I've just seen if y'all were paying attention, right? Okay. But it says, you are, you've been called out of darkness, out of darkness into his marvelous white, 
light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Aren't you glad you're God's people? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm God's people. If you're watching online, let us know. I'm glad I'm God's people. I'm one of his greatest possessions. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Aren't you glad that you have received the mercy of God? Aren't you glad that you received the love of God? God has ministered to you. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. Now here's what I wanted to point out to you. He found him in a desert land. He told us in the New Testament, he said, I found you in darkness. But they're one and the same. Without God, we're lost. We're wandering around. We're just going our way. And I, I feel like somebody's hearing me this morning that you need to know something. You feel like life's a dead end street. You feel like you're in a desert position. Or you could be like the New Testament. You're walking around in darkness and bumping into everything. I told Pastor Craig, I, I was blessed this morning early. I know he's already mentioned that, you know, uh, Lee mentioned I get here early. I get here between 4 and 5 o'clock every Sunday morning. And I come in the north entryway. And I, I never turn the light on the hallway because the hall's empty and I just walk down it. But today he had a big heart there that gave off a little bit of light. Just a little bit that I saw something dangling from the ceilings. He had a bunch of balloons in there. Now, I don't know if you get the picture, but if I'd have walked into that hall and something had started grabbing me, <laughs> it might have been nasty in that old building. I would have been fighting you like you said, well, what are you talking about? Have you ever seen anybody fight a spider web? Well, I want to tell you, I would have been fighting balloons all morning. <laughs> Amazing thing. But I'm glad that God has called us out of darkness. I'm glad he just called me and said, you're mine. I am glad that he opened up that invitation, not to just a certain class of people, not to a race of people, but for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. And you may be wandering around there. Like it says in the desert. Like it talks about the nation of Israel. He found him in a desert land. And in the howling waste of the wilderness. But he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. And like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinion. The Lord alone guided him, and no foreign God was with him. We don't need a foreign God when we've got Jehovah God Almighty to give us direction and to guide us. We need to latch on to that. Did you catch the analogy there? Now, I'm, I've never been able to ascertain if this is totally true. But according to scriptures, it seems to indicate, and I've heard, that eagles will allow the babies to crawl on their back. And they will fly out over the land at hundreds and thousands of feet high. And then they kind of nudge the baby off so that wind currents can carry it. 
and they can start flying. I said, I don't know if that's totally true or if it's just something that somebody told me. But that's the picture we get here that God carries us away. And the amazing thing is your Heavenly Father, Abba Father, Abba Father, Daddy, is not going to let you go crashing to the ground. He's going to catch you under the shelter of His wings. And He's going to take you and guide you. The Lord alone guided him, and no foreign God was with him. Oh, how awesome it is. We need to remember that God's past provision, God's past provision, those times that he's ministered to you before, those times when you didn't have any idea what was going to go on, but you cried out in the middle of the night or in the daytime, and you cried out to God, God's past provision should be the basis of your future decisions. And if God's never has failed you, what makes you think he's going to fail you now? Remember, God's past provision should be the basis of future decisions. Now, let's go back to 1 John. Let's go back to 1 John and see what else John had to say. We'd already read part of it, but if you go to the continuation of that passage in 1 John chapter 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. Didn't we say that earlier? But as many as received him, as many as believe that Jesus is the Christ. And I know there's a lot of effort going on today that tell you there's a lot of ways to heaven. I've only got one word for that. There's no such thing. There's only one way to Jesus to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. And I know some people say, "Aren't that's being judgmental?" No, it's not. It's being scriptural. That's what the book says. That's what the book says. It says everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever is born of Him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Did you catch that? See, our past decisions or past provisions should tell us that the decision we make in the past and the future that God is still going to be God he's never let us down he's not going to do it now it doesn't matter who's in the White House you heard me right it doesn't matter who's in charge God is in charge the Supreme Court does not sit in Washington DC the Supreme Court sits in heaven and the verdict is already in. You and I win. We win. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. It says we are overcomers. And who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now if you go back when Jesus was talking to the disciples. As they were leaving the upper room. He said by this. Shall all men know that you're my disciples? He could have said, because you've stayed with me three years. But that wasn't what he told them. He could have said, because you've become fishermen. And you've become successful. 
He didn't tell him that. He could have said, with the bumper stickers that's on your boat. He didn't tell him that. He said, the way people will know that you're my disciples is if you have love one for another. Love one for another. Now, 2 John is only one chapter long, but let's read a few verses there. Beginning in verse 4, it says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we what? Love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments, and this is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into this world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Can I suggest something to you? Can I point something out to you? The, the deceiver, Satan, was created by God. He is the creator. God created hell, but he didn't create it for his people. You say, well, why did he create hell? For those that are non-believers that would not receive him as their leader. Would not honor him. That's the reason hell was created. For Satan and all his followers. And I know that's not popular. And I know that you can get put in jail for a hate crime if you say certain things. But the reality is that God died for us. He shed his love, blood for us and showed his love to us on the cross of Calvary. So that we might become children of God. So that we would escape hell and be able to spend eternity in heaven. It says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him to the house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Folks, we need to quit listening to the world and listen to the book. Listen to what God has told us. And again, that's not being judgmental. Because if we have the true love that God has given us, we're going to strive and do everything we can to point them to Jesus Christ, doing it in love, doing it with compassion, letting them know that Jesus loves them just as much as he does us. And he wants to spend eternity with them. And he's prepared a place for them just like he's prepared a place for us. And he does not want that place to be hell. He wants it to be heaven. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I know some of you say, well, Pastor, you may have it all together. Can I tell you, I don't. I can be honest with you. Sometimes the spirit of slap comes all over me. <laughs> There's some people I have trouble liking. But I come to the conclusion I don't have to like them. I just have to love them. I may never agree with them. Now I know, how many grandparents are here? How many, if you'd have known how much fun grandparents, uh, grandkids were, you'd have them first? <laughs> no, those of us that have children, those of us that have grandkids, we, we understand the love of God a little bit. 
Because as much as you love your kids and grandchildren, you don't love them as much as God does. You say, I don't know about that. Let me give you a test. If someone walked into that door back there today with a rifle or some other means of destruction and said, Pastor, I'm going to kill somebody. Now, I would love to think, I think I could. I'd say, take me. I would like to tell him that. And I think I could. But I'm going to tell you something. If they went over this section and picked out one of my kids or one of my grandkids, I said, you can't have them. But that's exactly how much Jesus loves you. That's how much God loves you. He gave his greatest possession, his only begotten son. So that we could have eternal life. That's what true love is. You say, well, I haven't gotten there yet. Well, neither have I. But let me go back with you to the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 9. I started saying that about grandkids to say this. There's a lot of people that would say those of us that have gotten older have mellowed a bit. How many thinks that's probably true? But can I suggest that it may not be mellowed? Maybe we've just begun to understand what love really is a little better. That we begin to understand the love of God. See, in 9 verse 51 of Luke, when the days drew near for him to be taken up. In other words, he was getting ready to leave. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem's where the Jews worshipped. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him. Why? Because he had set his face toward Jerusalem. He was going to worship over there. He was going to Jerusalem to worship. And they were not going to accept that. That sounds like a Baptist and Assembly of God fighting. Huh? It sounds like us getting in arguments about how to worship God and what should be on. They were upset. They were not going to accept him simply because they were going to Jerusalem and they, they worship in another place. But now that's not the whole story. And when his disciples, James and John, that's the same one that wrote these words about 50 plus years later. James and John, just oozing out love, said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? I like the way the message puts it. The message said, Master, do you want us to call a bolt of lightning down out of the sky and incinerate them? And I know some of you say, man, I'd never say that. 
Well, not unless something's going on at the White House. I could, I, I'm sorry. I just came out. But that just shows, that just shows that we let insignificant, and I know when I say that, you're going to cringe, but the things that do not make eternal difference. We let them influence us. They didn't receive Jesus because they were going to Jerusalem. And Peter, I mean, excuse me, John wanted to show them. Let's just call fire down from heaven. Let's show them how much God loves them. But Jesus rebuked them. The message says, Master, do you want us to call a bolt of lightning down out of the sky and incinerate them? And the message says, of course not. Now just check yourself. I have to check myself. I can tell you, self gives me a lot of trouble. There's a lot of thoughts that have not been Godly thoughts with a lot of things going on in the world today. By this shall you know that you're my disciples. They have love one for another. Those that disagree with us. Those that look different than we do. Those that may have a different color skin. Those that think differently. You go on and on. By this you shall know that you're my disciples. As I was praying about what to, how to conclude this message, I was reminded of a story that I heard, and some of you remember me sharing this before. It's been a while. And if you're like me, if it was before yesterday, you probably won't remember it. But almost 50 years ago, at least 45 years ago, I was privileged to go to New Orleans to a pastor's conference with Pastor Marvin Gorman. And he shared a story then that just touched my heart. There was a young lady that came to their service. And I say a young lady, early teens. And he said she'd come over and sit down by herself. Nobody with her. But that Sunday, he gave the altar call and the young lady came and got saved. The next Sunday, she brought her brother with her. They sat on the front row. And whenever they gave the altar call, the brother came and got saved. The next Sunday, the two of them brought their younger sister. And the younger sister got saved. Now, the, Pastor Gorman had made every effort or a lot of effort to try to find out about him. He asked his greeters. He asked his ushers. He had different people. Well, who are they? And nobody knew. And so he was determined he wanted to find out something about this family that they, when they started coming, they never missed a Sunday. 
and was sitting in the service and just seemed to be gleaning from it. And, and he wanted to find out about him. So he had someone else dismiss him prayer one Sunday and he was able to get the older sister. And she, she said, you know, I've seen you come and I know you've given your heart to the Lord. I know that you've become a Christian but we don't know anything about you. Nobody in the church knows where you live. Nobody knows anything. Would you tell me where you live? And she said, I will if you promise me one thing. And he said, well, well yeah, but what, what do you want me to promise you? He said, Pastor Goldman, promise me you'll never come to my house. And, of course, his thought was, you know, he said, I've, I've been to a lot of people's houses. You know, I, I know what a poor neighborhood looks like. I know these things. And she said, no, 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 that's not it. He said, see, my mother's a prostitute. And if somebody sees your car at my house, they're going to think the wrong thing. So please don't come to see me. And, of course, that disturbed him but he made the promise well as time progressed one Sunday morning the young lady and came into church and they had everybody in the church had befriended them and reached out to them but one of the ladies reached and put her arm around the young lady and she cringed real abruptly and they suspected something so they was told by the pastor to check it out and yeah, you guessed it, when they checked out, she had been beaten unmercifully and her blouse had stuck to her back and when somebody put their arm around them, it, it hurt her. And of course, Pastor Gorman did just like you and I. Now remember, this is close to 50 years ago. The laws were not quite like they are today. Today, it was, there was no question you would have to turn that in. But Marvin Goyman, dead like all of us, he said, that's not going to happen. We're not going to allow that. We're going to make sure the authorities know and you're going to get out of that environment. And the little girl burst into tears. She said, Pastor Gorman, you can't do that. You can't do that. And he said, why not? Because you don't deserve that. He said, no. But every day, I pray for my mama. And if you take us away from my mama, I might forget to pray for her. And it's worth getting a whipping every now and then to be reminded to pray for her. That's a little picture of what the love of Christ is. He loves us with an unconditional, unblemished love. And if you've never availed yourself of that love, whether you be here or you're watching online, can I encourage you to be recipient of that love simply by as many as received Him to them gave you power to become the sons of God. You can do it right now. You can do it right now. Here or online. Because God loves you so much. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Should not perish. 
but have everlasting life. What greater day to partake of communion than Valentine's Day? The greatest love that there's ever been. What greater day to receive Jesus as our Savior, if you've never done it, than the day we set aside to love one another? So would you bow your heads in prayer, and as our worship team comes, we're going to sing that old simple children's song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. But before we do, I want to pray. Holy Spirit, minister by your power and your strength. You know those people at home. You know the people that are here. You know what our hearts are like. And God, we just ask you to minister to us. And God, if there's anyone here that's never availed themselves of your love or maybe they've drifted away and they'd like to recommit to you today, we pray that, God, that it would happen. God, that it would be done. Those that are watching online, even in their bedroom, even in a hospital room, wherever they may be, your love is there. Your love is there. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a moment we're going to partake of communion. But before we do, I want to pray with you. If you're here and you would like to pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins and be received and, and his family, just raise up your hand. I want to pray with you before we partake of communion. Real quickly, any hands? Any hands? We want to pray with you. Okay, I trust that we're all part of the family. And if so, we can sing this course with exuberance. We can sing this course, this song with, with feeling. Jesus loves me. Lead us in it, Brother Lee. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so.
the same night in which Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread. And in the same manner, or in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant or the new testament in my blood. Do this and as often as you drink it and remember some me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the cup. Holy Father. Holy Father. Thank you for your love. That's beyond any love that we can even fathom. We know how much we love our kids, love our grandkids. You love every one of us with a greater love. And you said no greater love has this, that a man lay down his life for others. God, you laid down your life. You laid down your life for us even while we were yet sinners while we were in darkness while we were wandering in the desert God you saw us you saw us and you redeemed us and Father we ask you to help us help us Lord to remember remember all of your faithfulness all of your goodness and God as we remember your provision let that be the basis of our future decisions God we give you praise give you honor and give you glory thank you for listening to the OAG podcast For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.